Good afternoon and welcome to Blueprint for Efficiency, a webinar speaker series hosted by the Yale Center for Business and Environment and the MIT Energy Club. My name is Stuart Takiu and I will be your host for this afternoon's presentation. Today's presentation is Transforming Cities and Towns, Energy Efficiency from a Mayor's Perspective. We would like to acknowledge the Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation for their funding support of the Carbon Finance Speaker Series at Yale. This series of public webinars will feature the latest developments in energy efficiency policy, investment, technology, and community engagement, with a special focus in the departments of, on the Department of Energy's Better Buildings Program. In today's talk, we will hear how the town of University Park, Maryland, is implementing the Small Town Energy Program for University Parks, or STEP UP, a three-year project with the goal of reducing total energy use in the town by 20%. Initial results are extremely promising. Since the program launched less than two months ago, more than 10% of the town has taken the first steps toward energy efficiency by signing up for a home performance with Energy Star Home Audit. John Tabori, Mayor of University Park, and Step Up Program Investigator Chuck Wilson will discuss the rigorous logic model and unique program design that they hope will serve as a roadmap for other towns to embark on similar transformative efficiency programs. A little bit about our speakers. John Tabori has served as the Mayor of University Park for five years. A member of Step Up's advisory committee, he also is the project's business manager. He is co-chair of Envision Prince George's County and serves as the Maryland Municipal League's 2011 Annual Conference Planning Committee. Currently, he is working on the development of an economic forecasting and budget planning workshop for new municipalities. Trained as a political economist, Mr. Tabori has written and lectured on a wide range of issues, including public health and anti-poverty programming. Chuck Wilson serves as the principal investigator for Step Up and chairs the Step Up Advisory Committee. Mr. Wilson is currently the Director of Development for the Alliance to Save Energy. He's previously acted as the Director of Finance and Administration for a $24 million infrastructure project in Kampala, Uganda, as a, pro as a Climate Change Program Manager for, and as a Climate Change Program Manager for the City of Ottawa, Canada, and as a General Manager of Green Savers, a home energy audit and retrofit company. During the presentation, uh, if you would please type your questions into the question box on the right-hand side of the screen. We will relay them uh, at the end of the conclusion of the presentation to our speakers. Please welcome Mayor John Tabori and Chuck Wilson to Blueprint for Efficiency. Thank you very much, Stuart. It's a real privilege to be able to speak with everybody um, about this exciting program. Yeah, uh, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is John Tabori. I'm the mayor of University Park, and uh, I'd like to just second uh, Chuck's uh, sentiments that uh, uh, we uh, really look forward to, to this discussion. So we wanted to begin by um, providing an overview of what Step Up is, and um, to, to sort of frame this discussion, and then it's a real uh, privilege as well to have Mayor Tabori here because as we talk about the program, his insights about how this is working from a municipal perspective and how it might work in other municipalities uh, is I think really the, the key insight to be derived from uh, today's uh, session. So just quickly, what is Step Up? Stuart mentioned it, the Small Town Energy Program for University Park. It's made possible through the Better Buildings Program of the U.S. Department of Energy, and um, University Park is the smallest Better Buildings grantee, both in terms of population and in terms of the grant award, um, and we really fit a small town niche, and you can see on the screen that our, our goal is to create a model community energy transformation program that can serve as a roadmap for other small towns across the United States. 
And so one may wonder why small towns, because uh, modern geography will tell us that an overwhelming majority of the U.S. population now lives in a relatively small number of metro areas. Um, so I think the sort of Norman Rockwell version of small town America that uh, may have been true in our parents' or grandparents' generation has rapidly shifted, and now we're looking at an urban or suburban population. But if one looks under the hood a little more closely, the picture is very different in terms of the jurisdictional size of, of um, the towns, boroughs, cities, or villages in which people live. And more than half of our population is in a jurisdiction of less than 25,000 people. And when you average in the rural uh, jurisdictions, the average size across the country is only 6,200 people. And so we thought um, it would be important to look at a model that could work in terms of transforming energy use uh, within a small jurisdiction. Um, and this differs in part from the typical, say, large municipal or utility program, which may seek to get energy efficiency gains or renewable energy deployed at a, a much broader utility catchment or statewide area. So we really wanted to focus on the individual small town jurisdictions. What are the goals of the program? Stuart also mentioned that the uh, first and foremost was to try and improve energy efficiency by 20% um, by tackling that in about a quarter of the homes in UP. And there was an additional energy reduction target set through um, a variety of issues, looking at our street lighting and retrofitting. Um, we have a local school here that the rooftop is uh, perfect for a prospective solar project. We wanted to start looking at diverting landfill waste uh, through composting. Um, and because we are very close to Washington, D.C., um, and then we have a lot of commuters looking at a program to reduce vehicle miles traveled. So energy efficiency is the, um, the main thrust of the program, but we wanted to get some additional savings through these other activities. The last bullet serves as the, the model aspect of if we can figure out a model that, that we can deploy successfully here in University Park, we wanted to package parts of that um, as a function of this grant project into sort of ready-to-use toolkits and templates specifically for other small towns, and then during the latter part of the grant actively uh, work to circulate those amongst other small communities. Um, <clears throat> next uh, slide here is the step-up logic model. Um, Logic models uh, are used uh, quite frequently now in uh, experimental programs, and they're designed uh, as a uh, design tool in and of itself, uh, putting a program together and taking a look at how uh, a program flows uh, and how you might uh, uh, control that flow and, des and design it. And it's also used as a very powerful evaluation tool. Uh, uh, it usually consists of uh, the set of assumptions, the set of resources that you're bringing to it, uh, and then it flows through the task to the immediate outcomes, intermediate outcomes, and the goals. A uh, little bit about assumptions. Assumptions are actually uh, those 
sets of ideas that uh, we hold in our heads uh, about how things work, and uh, they are, are critical in the design of programs, and they're very often overlooked uh, when people put these kinds of programs together. And one of the purposes of the logic model is to force you to actually put those forward. I also, as, as Mayor Tabori and I were preparing for the presentation, we, we focused on the logic model because um, in my day job of working with the Alliance to Save Energy, I'm frequently responding to bid opportunities from various federal departments. And more and more, we're starting to see a request in those RFPs for an inclusion of a logic model so that the, um, the government departments that are uh, handling the programs have some sense of confidence that the responders to the bids have really thought through the assumptions and have a roadmap through the logic model. And so that's going to uh, feature throughout the rest of this presentation, tying back the activities to this logic model. Um, the assumptions that uh, we stepped forward with were that uh, small town resources are constrained and that UP is a typical small town in, uh, in critical ways. UP is a typical small town in the sense that uh, we have uh, a little bit more than 2,500 residents, 2,548 according to the 2010 uh, uh, census. We have about 923 homes. We have two churches, an elementary school, and one town hall. Um, we do not have commercial uh, properties in our, in our town. We're residential only town. Uh, the typical small town elements uh, from a governance point of view are we have a volunteer council. None of us are paid, um, neither the mayor or the elected council members. We have seven of those. And of course, we have a mayor. Um, we have a small municipal staff. Uh, we have about uh, 25 individuals uh, who are um, um, uh, regular staff. Uh, and uh, that includes the mayor. Uh, and uh, then we have two professionals uh, that are attached to us, a lawyer and an engineer. Uh, the division of labor is essentially we have a public works department of 11 individuals. Uh, we have police department uh, with eight. That includes our chief. We have a town clerk, one. These are all full-town individuals. Mayor is full-time. Uh, we have uh, part-time individuals. Uh, who uh, do uh, specialized work. We have a uh, treasurer. Uh, we have a uh, assistant to the clerk uh, who does answering the phone, filing, that kind of stuff. And we have two drivers that run our uh, commuter bus service, uh, which uh, uh, is, is a little bit atypical, but uh, an important part of our, of our existence. Um, uh, we have a modest budget. Uh, we have an operating, a core operating budget of about $2.5 million. Uh, we have reserves uh, that we use for uh, various projects, uh, about $1.5 million. And then we have about another uh, close to a million dollars in, in, in uh, well, it's a little bit more if you count three-year grant. But we have a little bit uh, more than uh, $1.5 million, I would say, in, in grants that we uh, uh, that we work on. Uh, and uh, 
like most small towns uh, in our staff, we have limited energy expertise. So, you know, as Mayor Tabori's outlined, you could easily picture oneself in a town of this size in tens of thousands of locations across the United States, which is why um, we, we're excited about the prospect of, of building a model that can work here. I just want to tee off that last point that the mayor raised about limited energy expertise um, within the town staff, because going back to the assumptions page and continuing, assumption number three uh, really looks at the residents of University Park. And, um, and I would say in that, in that regard, we're pretty atypical in terms of education and energy expertise. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, it's an exceptionally well-educated community. Um, uh, we're right next to a university, uh, University of Maryland College Park, which is, of course, uh, the flagship uh, uh, university for the Maryland system. Uh, and uh, uh, a number of the residents of our town are professors there. Uh, we have a number of individuals who work for the federal government. Uh, and commute in. Uh, um, because of the school that we have in our community, uh, we, we draw um, a pretty, pretty uh, uh, interesting group of individuals, a very highly regarded uh, elementary school. Um, and uh, so there's, there's some real, uh, there are real specialized resources that we can draw on. Uh, which makes us a little bit atypical in that sense. Um, we uh, we have a an advisory group uh, which uh, has uh, uh, people who are, are internationally known in their field uh, in the climate field, and uh, uh, we have a couple of uh, we have at least one physicist who's ahead of the American Phys uh, Physics uh, Society. Um, so we're we're talking about some fairly talented people at some levels too. And somehow I managed to squeak my way onto that committee as well, uh, which is great because when we put the proposal together, we wanted to make sure that these assumptions, to the best of our ability, held. So we did a quick straw poll um, through uh, SurveyMonkey to find out if University Park residents would be interested in improving their energy efficiency, and what we got back was confirmation that the town is really motivated to make these changes. So, you know, the assumptions one through three, uh, we really wanted to validate. And then assumption four was, was almost an anecdotal assumption that we believed, based on the housing stock here, typically the houses were built from the 30s to the 50s, it's all single um, residential, that it was ripe for efficiency programs. And I mean, just speaking personally, you know, I live in a drafty old house, and uh, folks said, yeah, I think if, if we're going to do a program here, uh, we're going to be able to get some savings. And I, it, also, by serendipity, we, we had uh, just recently uh, uh, been designated a historic district. It's a, a national uh, designation. Uh, and so we had a, a complete inventory of housing stock, uh, and uh, we have uh, seven wards. Uh, those are political entities, uh, and we uh, uh, five of those were designated historically, and we're currently undergoing uh, designation for the rest of the town. And so we now have in hand a complete uh, inventory of all of the homes, and we very quickly recognized, uh, at least at town hall we did, 
that uh, that is a an assumption that is uh, at, at least worth testing. Uh, assumption number five now starts to get into working towards the strengths of a small community and social marketing. And uh, in the energy field, there have been numerous uh, studies and case studies of towns really succeeding in social marketing. So they're diverging from the typical broadcast marketing where you would put out information to maybe all of the uh, people in a utility area or across an entire state. Um, so instead of a top-down marketing approach, it's really using the social networks and tools that are available to a small community. And so as we switch slides here, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the social marketing that uh, we've deployed here in University Park as part of the Step Up program. And I recognize as well that uh, other topics in this very series have looked at the social marketing topic in more detail. So the first cluster at the top may be typical um, you know, outreach and marketing um, channels. So there's, the town has a newsletter that everybody gets. Um, we sent out a postcard to everybody in town um, with information about the program and the launch. Um, there is a listserv that covers, do you know what percentage of town uh, residents? Uh, we, believe, we believe it's about 30% at this point in time, maybe a little bit more. So a third of the town is, is um, active on a listserv, and obviously the town has its website. And so if you exclude the design costs and just talked about the production of the postcard and the newsletter inserts, et cetera, we um, promoted the program for roughly $1,000, um, perhaps a little bit less. The points clustered on the bottom of the slide are a little bit less typical, and we'll talk about those in greater detail later. Um, a flagship of the program is the, an, what we're calling an energy coach, and um, we'll, we'll um, detail that role in the subsequent slides. But this is somebody who is going to interact directly with the residents of University Park about the program and is really seen as their neutral uh, advocate and champion. Obviously, we're going to rely a lot on sort of neighbor-to-neighbor -neighbor interactions and all of the existing social clubs within University Park. And why we think it's important to, um, to stress the success of social marketing in small communities is that we are asking homeowners here to make a very complicated um, transaction that involves technical decisions about things with which they may not be familiar. It involves a financial commitment on their part. Uh, it involves trusting contractors who are in their homes. And so the social marketing um, strength is that it's all about who you trust. And obviously in a close, small community such as University Park, um, that is a huge point of leverage for us and um, consequently a, a real function of why we chose to not uh, just saturate UP with lots and lots of leaflets, but rather uh, work through those existing channels and, and uh, clubs for the social marketing. I, I, I just might add that on a neighbor-to-neighbor -neighbor and the UP social club, uh, when uh, I run for office and uh, we have two-year terms uh, for our offices, so we run rather frequently and we're constantly in contact with our neighbors. Uh, it, over the years, I've gotten to know probably 50% of the residents of the town in, in some capacity or the other. In addition, there are these remarkably strong social clubs that are, 
that are in town, including a, a women's club, which just uh, passed its 70th year of existence. Um, this past Sunday, as a matter of fact, well, I, I guess technically this past Monday. Um, and um, uh, we have a PTA, which is one of the strongest P, uh, PTAs in, in the entire county, in the entire D.C. area. Uh, we have a civic association, which is very, very active. And th they interact with each other, and they create this dense community uh, uh, of communication, if you will. A, a set of channels which information flows quickly and uh, and effectively through and relatively accurately, relatively accurately. And I think most importantly, from one trusted source to another, and yep. and the ability to say, hey, I, I'm having this done in my house. You really ought to consider it as well. Right. Um, is proving really effective. This is really the cornerstone assumption, um, which is that individual facilitation was going to be the key in a small community and. My hunch is that this actually may be true regardless of the size of the community. But particularly for us, um, we put a lot of the, the project emphasis on hiring um, what we're calling the energy coach. So there have been other, um, and there are other projects within the Better Buildings program suite that are also focusing on individual outreach. Um, and the, the models vary. I mean, in some cases, the outreach is um, being done through a network of trained contractors in other um, communities. It is uh, interns or uh, youth who are being trained and sort of sent out um, into neighborhoods, sort of boots on the ground. We believe that the idea of getting a comprehensive energy audit as a first step to a comprehensive retrofit in one's home is a premium decision. This is a decision that, as I mentioned earlier, involves a lot of different facets which are complex and costly. And so we really put a, a premium on hiring an energy coach who had the right mix of skills, um, maturity, um, experience, that they themselves, just by uh, who they are, were a, a sort of a manifestation of a trusted source, that they were going to be able to deliver information to the homeowners that they could trust. And so um, we have a terrific energy coach by the name of Suzanne, um, and she is uh, active in all three of these areas that we're trying to um, engage the community with, both the outreach um, and the events. When it comes time to help people with the audit, she both helps them to sort through the, the masses of information out there and um, quickly tune into the things that are really the key decision drivers for them, um, helps them to identify issues with which contractor they ought to get in to do the audit and what to expect in terms of the quality of that product. And there are various state incentives through the Maryland Energy Administration, utility incentives through, uh, we're in the PEPCO territory that um, we have crafted this program around. It can be quite confusing and there are a number of websites that people need to get information from. Suzanne's really there to help steer the University Park homeowners through each one of those channels. Then it gets to the retrofit portion where they're actually going to convert that information into real energy saving activities. And again, it's how do you sort through the information, particularly the audit report, um, where to turn to make sure that you have the right contractor and that that contractor is delivering what they, they claim they're delivering. And again, there's lots of different federal, state, and utility incentives for the right mix of efficiency um, measures. And so Suzanne's helping with each one of those issues as well. 
We have a local partnership that we're trying to finalize with the branch of SunTrust Bank to um, be the home for a loan loss reserve for us to help provide some low interest financing for people that want to do big retrofit work in their homes. Um, Suzanne can help sort of get them in the, in the channels to access that financing. And this last point is a big one as well. Uh, we're looking to continuously improve the program and also speaking to that issue of neighbor-to-neighbor -neighbor feedback and trust, you know, derive from the people that are participating in the program their um, satisfaction or dissatisfaction with aspects of it so that we can communicate that to the other people in, uh, in University Park. Yeah, from a uh, mayor's perspective, one of the most important uh, issues is the hiring of that energy coach. Uh, there are two reasons for that. Um, aside from the technical skills of the individual, uh, the individual must be able to fit into the community, must be able to talk to the audience that's specific to the town uh, that they're working in. Uh, and that may vary from community to community. Uh, and so we went through a very uh, intense um, recruitment process uh, and met uh, the committee that was uh, selecting uh, Suzanne met uh, extensively in order to uh, get to the point of offering to uh, that individual. The other, the other aspect, which is partially, partially a selection issue and partially a governance, is understanding the style of the individual because there is a liability problem. Uh, if, if we start to make recommendations and the energy coach is an agent of the town, starts to make recommendations uh, favoring one person or one system over another, uh, uh, there can be liability problems. And so you have to select an individual who's able to balance information and, and staying neutral at the same time. Uh, and so, there, so there's, some, there's some issues that you have to uh, uh, address when looking at that individual and choosing that individual. Um, so returning to the logic model, all, all of those were the underpinning assumptions that made us believe we had a program in University Park that might work um, and that uh, might be a replicable model. And then we turned our attention to the resources. What did we have at our disposal in order to build the program? And much of this we've touched upon already. If you look at the column on the left, um, this speaks a lot to this issue of social marketing, um, which we spoke to before. So we needn't go over it exhaustively. Um, other than to say, at each step of engaging with these different community assets, um, Already we started to get feedback that some of our assumptions were correct. Um, and so Mayor Tabori mentioned the University Park Women's Club celebrating its 70th year. Um, I had the opportunity to speak with them in November after we'd been notified of the award, but really before we'd done much in terms of the launch. And um, these are really uh, the sort of people in town who you would consider um, carry a critical weight in terms of their opinion and their ability to influence other people. And they were really interested in this opportunity and asked so many questions that we got the hook eventually because we ran out of time. And so um, the eagerness with which the editor of the newsletter um, welcomed the inserts about this and our ability to uh, work with um, the people that manage the listserv 
all of that started to provide early feedback that um, we were in a community that was motivated to do this. Um, the other issue here is there's lots of resources that are out there that both we can make use of and contribute to depending on, on the, um, the resource and the time. So I mentioned, obviously, this is made possible by a grant through the Department of Energy. Um, but the PEPCO uh, utility in our region has a very um, comprehensive home performance with Energy Star uh, audit program with incentives that was made possible by some of the early work done by the Maryland Energy Administration. Both PEPCO and MEA have their own incentives to try and um, move the market towards efficiency. And we wanted to make sure we captured all of those and also drew UP residents towards those excellent programs. I mentioned SunTrust already. Um, the organization that I work for, the Alliance to Save Energy, its name would imply we do a lot of work in this field. And um, we've been able to tap into the deep pools of expertise at the Alliance to answer certain questions and move parts of this program. But there's, there's other uh, community resources as well um, that we've really uh, tried to leverage as a function of this. And during the course of preparing the proposal, it, we took some time to really identify the assets in the community and the resources that we were going to leverage in order to, um, to support those assumptions. I, I, I think I would in particular point to the Community Solar LLC, which is a, a local group uh, which uh, originated in this town and uh, developed uh, a uh, a limited liability corporation to install uh, solar panels on a local church. Uh, they've successfully done that. They've successfully went through all of the different issues that are associated with that, including the uh, <coughs> technical and the uh, uh, legal and uh, financial issues, uh, which is uh, uh, quite a feat considering how complex uh, many of those are in uh, the modern age. Uh, but uh, you know that also suggested uh, uh, a a real uh, uh, expertise emerging in the town as people got motivated about that. And of course, uh, as the mayor of the town, I'm always interacting with our local the local towns. We have 27 municipalities in our county. Um, uh, about a third of our population is uh, lives in them in our county. Uh, and uh, we we deal with each other all the time, and uh, many of them have shared ideas and concepts uh, with me, and we're sharing back with them. Um, Stuart, we appear to not be able to advance. Oh, good. Slides are advancing now. Um, so with the assumptions and the uh, underlying resources, we then go through a series of activities. You know, we launched the program, and now we're going with the audits and um, starting to set up the other aspects of the program. And so going back to the logic model, what are we starting to see as the immediate and intermediate outcomes that feed back into those assumptions and resources? One of them is um, immediately uh, we are seeing a reduction in the classic barriers to energy efficiency. Um, one of the issues about an information barrier is that either people don't know what's available to them or there's too much information out there and they're not sure what is uh, optimal. And so through both um, getting information from trusted sources and having Suzanne really serve as a focal point, 
for providing that information, noting, as Mayor Tabori did, the fine balance between providing information and making recommendations. Um, we're finding that people feel comfortable with the information they're getting and comfortable um, that it is of sufficient quality for them to make the, the complex set of decisions that they need to make. The second uh, barrier that we're seeing as an immediate outcome of, of the program is the transaction barriers. And I, I want to stress this because I think this is often underestimated in the energy efficiency world, that the people are busy, they're lazy, their lives are complicated, and they're doing other things. And there are multiple steps involved in efficiency that it looks good on paper, but the ability to actually implement and make the, the transaction stick is very complex. It's time intensive. It's labor intensive. It often involves contractors coming in on perhaps multiple occasions. And so uh, once again, being able to feel a degree of comfort even to enter that, that pool of activity by hearing about a neighbor who's done it successfully by maybe going to their home and, and seeing some of the work that's been done, certainly by working with Suzanne through each step of the process those transaction barriers have been reduced greatly. And the final uh, or one sort of that's a classic is financial barriers. You know, this costs money, and we're in a time of uh, fiscal restraint, and um, so people are counting their pennies. And our ability to both provide financing, um, help people access the valuable incentive programs that are available at the federal, state, and, and utility level, um, help them understand the payback for this investment. Um, it's why we place such an emphasis on having a, a premium quality individual as the, as the energy coach. They need to be able to cover all that waterfront of the right information and the transaction barriers and, and uh, also helping in terms of pointing people towards the right financing. So the fourth immediate outcome that we've begun to see is, is definitely an increase in trust um, from people within town about the fact that this program has a lot to offer them, that uh, the resources that are uh, embedded as a function of the program are there to serve them, and um, we're starting to see participation numbers increase. And so the intermediate outcomes, where are we now as we're starting to flow through the program? We launched on January the 22nd. So we've been in, in active business in the community for a little less than two months, or I guess it's two months now. And um, if you recall from the earlier slides, University Park only has 923 homes. 190 of them attended the launch event for the program, and subsequently um, we've had dozens more um, sign up to participate or to inquire for information. So that's more than 20% of the town um, coming out to a launch event. Um, at that launch, we had a uh, little over 100 sign up to participate in the program for the Home Performance with Energy Star audit. Um, that's more than 10% of the town. Um, again, since then, we've had many more sign up. Uh, and in the two months since the launch, we've had 62 homes in town participate in an audit, um, or they shortly will. They're booked uh, for the next couple of weeks. And um, so we now have, uh, because of the success of this launch, a critical mass of, of these kind of neighbor ambassadors starting to emerge. And the next phase of the program is really to work with them to share with their neighbors and those around them through those social marketing channels 
their experience on the program. Good. I, I'd like to point out that the, the uh, quickness with which, or, or the, the speed with which uh, we reach the 10 percent is quite remarkable because most people uh, who studied this from a social marketing point of view consider 5 percent as early adopters, and here we're having 10 percent as being early adopters. Uh, which is way over the uh, the norm, uh, and uh, we think that's a very important sign that we're that we're moving forward in the way we want to. So, um, moving on from the logic model, we have a couple slides left, and I think it's an op excellent opportunity to hear from the mayor about, as a town that's thinking about undertaking some of these, or for people that are on the audience today who will be going out to work in municipalities or elsewhere. What are some of the particular challenges they need to be aware of from a, a town's governance perspective? Well, I, the, the first thing is, is you have to convince the council uh, to, uh, to go ahead with this and convince the community. And, and there's a real requirement for a trust in the proposal team. Uh, one of the ways that, uh, that that trust developed was the fact that uh, there was a council member who was part of the proposal team. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I sat in on the, on it also as the mayor, uh, and that gave us um, uh, both the council member um, and and I a chance to meet the people that were were doing this and assess them from from our own perspective. Uh, and most of us, as I said, know our community very well. In small towns, uh, that's how we get elected and how we stay get stay there. Um, uh, the other issue, which is very important, is the management of the politics on the town council. Um, it, it's very, it's in, it's worth noting that the original effort was actually rejected. It was originally decided by the council that they did not want to go forward, um, uh, and some of the reasons for that were uh, that uh, they were really concerned about management issues and the burden on the on the, on the uh, uh, town uh, budget uh, and the town staff. Remember, we have such a small staff, and most of that is day-by-day uh, day working staff. Uh, uh, 19 of uh, the individuals uh, are out there doing daily work um, for public works, and you know, that's 80% of our staff. Um, so we don't have much room to maneuver uh, when it comes to management. Um, uh, so you have to you have to really look at the town council itself, and you have to talk to it, and you and provide them with the information that's necessary uh, to move them forward. Uh, we were able to do that, and uh, we did receive a unanimous vote uh, at the end. Uh, timeline: big decision for a small town. Short timeline when you're going for a federal uh, grant. Um, this one was 45 days, if I remember correctly, or maybe a little bit more. Uh, no, I think that's it was less actually. Yeah, no, it was yeah 45 days. 45 days. Uh, so you're you're now compressing a great deal into um, uh, into a very short period of time. Uh, as I said, town council members are volunteers, and they don't um, they 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 work uh, during the day, uh, so it's very hard for them to focus. So you so managing that timeline is a critical is a critical issue. Um, uh, 
then uh, on the next slide, um, uh, there are real governance challenges. Uh, the proposal in itself is a governance challenge because it's costly. Um, uh, in our case, we were able to get a lot of people to work for free. Um, uh, but it certainly drew my time. It cer certainly drew one of our council members' time uh, uh, away from other things. And I'm, uh, like all small town uh, mayors, uh, I'm a town manager also, uh, or partially a town manager. Um, there's, uh, as I noted before, council management. There's risk and liability issues for the town. Uh, they need to be addressed. They need to be addressed quickly because of the, the time that you have available to you. Implementation, uh, there's an issue of monitoring progress and communications with the town staff and the council, and it's a continuing process. We've adopted uh, the practice uh, of meeting about this project uh, every two weeks in town hall. Um, that is the staff that are associated with it, and we'll, we can pull in our own staff if we have to and talk to them. Uh, we're all close to each other. Uh, and, they, uh, uh, and also the council, and we've adopted a policy that the project reports to the council once a month uh, at a regular council meeting. Uh, allows the public to, to, to visit uh, the issues and allows the council to make sure things are not uh, going sour. Uh, project burden, uh, um, we're learning a lot about that. Uh, it, it seemed to be a bit of a, more of a burden, I think, in the initial stages than we anticipated, uh, but we're getting it to where, uh, where we want it. Um, the project burdens uh, include infrastructure considerations, i.e. office space, um, um, it, it, as it turns out, uh, we had space in the mayor's office for our energy coach, and so we did a little bit of rearranging of furniture. Um, uh, time, uh, we're trying to keep track of all the time that we spend on it, um, and uh, uh, there are additional burdens on other municipal staff other than myself and our treasurer, who are the main individuals that have responsibility. Uh, but we're finding that that's going away now and that that's less of a problem. The, the issue for me as the mayor and for our uh, um, uh, town treasurer is, is that we do have to continue to monitor uh, because we have both legal responsibility and we have financial responsibility. So um, that wraps up the presentation and we're obviously going to move to questions. but. Just sort of summing up where we're at, uh, you know, people in University Park are excited about this as a community project, and we feel that it's it's off to a solid start. Um, but uh, you know, for the reasons that Mayor Tabori mentioned, it's also this is not the type of thing that should be entered into lightly by a town of any size, but particularly one that is facing those constraints that we identified earlier. Um, we do believe at this point this has the potential to be an attractive and replicable model. But really, um, it all comes down to item four. Now that we've set up that, that model, using the logic train that we've discussed, can we hit the target numbers? And we have the next couple years to try and do so. We feel encouraged by the launch, but uh, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating, as they say. So, um, so that's the, 
University Park Step Up Project. And Stuart, I guess we turn it back to you for questions. Great. Thank you so much for that wonderful presentation. Uh, a quick question um, regarding the the outreach. Um, you all have gotten 10% of the town, over 10%, um, to sign up for the um, home the home performance um, energy audit uh, through Energy Star. Uh, what are your targets for converting those signups into um, actual retrofits? And um, can you talk a bit about the amount of time you're estimating um, the energy coach will need uh, to sort of schedule um, in order to convert each one of those leads into a, um, a completed audit? Uh, it's an excellent question, and the answer is we're not sure. Um, for two reasons. We had um, wanted to do baseline information gathering within the community before the launch of the program to really understand um, what the potential for targets were, um, people's motivation to actually get work done, how much they might be willing to spend, those sorts of baseline uh, issues. And just because of the haste with which we needed to go to launch and also the personnel constraints both on the project and within the town, um, we're playing catch up with some of that evaluation information. And so I think, Stuart, if we had the data beforehand, we would be able to give a more educated response in terms of the percentage that we're hoping to convert from audit to retrofit. Anecdotally, we have 15 people of the 62 that are either already, so of the 62 people that have had a home performance with Energy Star Audit in the last two months, 15 of them, um, so roughly a quarter, are either engaged in retrofits right now or are under or negotiating a contract to do so. That is a, an astonishingly high conversion rate for a program so young. That said, uh, also anecdotally, um, we heard at a, at a committee meeting just this week from Suzanne, the energy coach, that the amount of time that she is spending helping homeowners in, uh, interpret their Energy Star reports and helping them make the selection that they need to make for the contractors is an inordinate amount of time, hours per client. And so um, we're tracking all that information and we're going to be able to you know, tune up the model once we really understand sort of the cost and time involved in each one of those variables. But anecdotally, the conversion rate is high. I, I would say if we talked in six months, we'd be able to predict a lot more what it's going to be and the time involved in making each one of those conversions happen. I, I might point out that um, uh, at least in my case and in my neighbor's case, uh, uh, my neighbors had the audit. I haven't had the audit yet, but we're, we probably will do something, uh, e even though we're not ready to make that decision yet on the retrofit. So I suspect that the, that the conversion rate will actually go up um, uh, as time goes on uh, and, and as more of the elements of the program become uh, clear and we can get information to people. Also, I think, Stuart, as an adjunct part of that answer, as the program, as more and more people in the community actually start to do work in their homes, we want to recognize them with a yard sign, you know, I've stepped up or something like that. Um, uh, some recognition in the newsletter and elsewhere in town. And that's when the social marketing and outreach channels really begin to kick in because people, um, Sometimes it's a keeping up with the Joneses issue. They want to do it because their neighbors are doing it. I think in many cases in University Park, it's people 
feel a great deal of civic ownership of this program and they want to see it be successful. And so in some respects, they want to feel like they're doing their part. Thirdly, who better than your neighbor to let you know about the comfort and bill savings that are resulting from this? And um, so I think that's going to be a motivating factor down the road to convert from audit to retrofit as well. Uh, there's a lot of interest from the audience in the, the role of the energy coach and how that um, role would be paid for in other types of communities. Uh, Justin Lindenmeyer asks, um, uh, curious how scalable this concept is based upon your experience for larger towns and cities, uh, as you mentioned, um, where most of the population is centered. Um, could you hire multiple and give them regional territories to work? Um, how would the additional oversight uh, be necessary to accommodate more energy coaches? And a number of our other um, audience members are interested in um, how this will be paid for after uh, the DOE grant um, is, um, is finished and what you would recommend to a community who doesn't have a grant in terms of how to pay for an energy coach. Uh, there's, there's a couple parts to those answers. And the first is how scalable is this model? And I, I'm going to go back to the answer is we don't know yet because it's so young. And that means for the step up itself, we want to see how the numbers play out in the coming year. If we, if we can really hit those targets and we basically invest a premium in the energy coach, but the return is a premium in results in terms of transforming the market, that's one model that then we look for its scalability. Within the Better Buildings suite of programs, I mentioned there are numerous other cities that are engaging in some version of that model. And just to use simple language, in various levels of, of being premium. In some cases, it's a, it's a town staff that's been converted to an energy person. In some cases, it's going to be using contractors. In some cases, it's going to be using volunteers or a youth corps. Let's wait and see how their results come back as well. We're part of the Better Buildings um, opportunity is to see what it takes to, to build this market. In terms of the ability to pay for this afterwards, which may make it more replicable in other communities, the solar project that we're hoping to establish on the roof of the local school um, will pay a revenue stream to the city if established for 20 years. It's a 20-year project. And so we built that into the proposal as well as a sustainable revenue stream going forward. And so the uh, objective was once the government grant ended, the town of University Park still needed uh, a reasonable revenue stream coming in in order to continue the sort of activities that got started under the grant. But I might also note that uh, a number of uh, small towns, uh, certainly a, a fairly significant proportion of them run their own utility services. Uh, both uh, energy services and uh, uh, wastewater management. Uh, the uh, savings uh, that can be achieved through retrofits uh, in, in, both, in both areas uh, can be tremendous. And so the, the town itself and the taxpayer themselves have an incentive to fund uh, a, uh, uh, an energy coach and a program like this to reduce the overall cost uh, uh, over time. Uh, so you, you're, looking, you're looking over time. And uh, a lot of small towns now uh, are uh, uh, beginning to do this kind of uh, forward planning. And so there are ways of funding the program if you, if you, if you start to do that. Uh, 
and start to look at uh, at ways of improving your own services to the to the community uh, and reducing the cost of those services. Uh, I know that one of the motivating factors around here is the fact that we received a 72 percent increase in our uh, in uh, in our electrical uh, uh, fees. Uh, that it was a uh, energy uh, increase uh, or price increase of 72 percent that was initiated. Uh, I believe it was in uh, uh, July of last year. Uh, just one other quick part of the answer, Stuart, is if you think back to the objectives that we mentioned at the beginning of the, the slide presentation, um, one of them was to create a roadmap for other small towns. And so, indeed, the, we're using part of the premium of having this federal grant to try and work through some of these issues and commoditize it, so to speak, so that another town that wants to embark upon a similar program um, doesn't have to go through the learning curve and therefore may be able to pay less of a premium, so to speak, because the twists and turns and steps are all mapped out for them. So we're, we're gunning for a replicable model, but we need some time to see where the numbers come out. Uh, a few other questions on the, re on the replicable model. Um, it's, uh, the, um, uh, John Sutherland asks, uh, if you could talk a bit about the measurement, monitoring, and verification of the energy savings. And if uh, Suzanne has a technology platform, which with uh, she can engage uh, with the folks who are moving from the audit into the retrofit, and then um, how that data is collected on the monitoring and verification of those projects in order to reduce some of those transaction costs down the road for other communities who are thinking about implementing this. Well, uh, if you could see through the screen, you'd see the mayor and I both looking at each other with huge grins on our faces because I, I alluded to it during the presentation that this is an area where we feel we're playing catch-up, we're behind, and, um, and yet it's also one of those areas where I'm not sure it would have been to our advantage to have been a first mover amongst the Better Building grantees. So let me just, I can lay it out from a technology standpoint pretty quickly. The PEPCO Home Performance with Energy Star program makes use of an audit software called Beacon. And so they collect standard building inputs, um, and run it through this software to model potential energy savings. And as a function of the Maryland Home Performance with Energy Star program, the homeowner commits. And we also uh, sort of underscore this through our sign-up and indemnification form to participate in step-up, that they will provide a year's worth of historical utility data and a year's worth of excuse me, future utility data once they've completed whatever intervention they're going to do on their home. Um, the nice thing about the Home Performance with Energy Star program here in Maryland is that it also requires a test-out audit. So they'll retest the home for air leakage, et cetera, and recalibrate those forecasts of what sorts of energy savings ought to be achieved given the measures installed. So this was an opportunity for the town of University Park to leverage an existing program and they use the Beacon platform for the software. That said, we also want to track our own data, and we have extensive reporting requirements to the Department of Energy on this grant. The Department of Energy has been busy over the last few months finalizing its requirement um, uh, for what we need to collect and how we're going to upload it, and that is coming online in the next week or two. So I don't know exactly what software program they're going to use for a lot of the audit and building-related data that we're going to send to them, all of which will be done confidentially, will be by a task number as opposed to address. So they're just going to get lots of field data, but not necessarily pin it to a particular home. From our standpoint, we wanted to keep things as simple as possible 
And so we're looking at what we need to report to the federal government. We're looking at the sort of information that there's already being collected through Beacon, and we are in the process of beginning to build a simple access database that's going to be able to help us um, both export the data that we need to and also capture the data that we need to for managing the program. So we're trying to do everything through non-proprietary software like, like Access. Uh, and in addition to that, we've uh, started to look at, uh, because this, this field has seen a lot of surveys uh, developed uh, in the last few years. Um, there's a, a couple of reports that have come out from the western part of the United States, uh, which are, uh, struggled with this and put a large amount of money into uh, essentially what are behavioral uh, attitudinal and knowledge uh, surveys. Uh, and uh, we, of course, are uh, going to snitch some of those um, uh, and um, uh, create some of those, uh, create some questionnaires and ask some uh, survey questions of individuals which go to uh, the behavioral and the knowledge barriers that uh, individuals uh, face in, uh, in, in attempting to convert. And they shouldn't be underestimated. They're 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 part of they're part of this process, mm -hmm. and we are looking at that. Uh, my guess is is that we will have pretty good data within six months. Uh, one final question from audience, and we'd like to thank everyone for um, submitting their questions. Uh, in following the presentation, uh, we will follow up with those of you who weren't able to get your questions asked. Um, Considering this comes in from Benjamin Zintron, um, can you be more specific as to the role the Source Bank uh, plays in energizing the launch, the launch and retrofit program? Uh, criteria for participating, uh, how do you fit them into the process? Um, and can you talk a bit about, within your specific community, what um, if financing is a barrier uh, to the adoption of retrofits? And um, if so, what types of um, what types of ways of communicating about it or new programs um, are you considering that could help overcome that barrier? Right. So this is also an excellent question because it's um, if, if one were to ask the other cities involved in the Better Buildings program, the issue of financing is proving to be a real challenge for all of them. And this is one of those areas where back when the, back when the RFP was issued, there was great hope that PACE might be the, um, the um, financing tool that would help drive a lot of this. As when PACE got stalled, you know, people have been left scrambling for other alternatives. So we went with a loan loss reserve model where essentially um, we're in negotiations with the local branch of, uh, of a commercial bank to take a portion of the grant money and set it up as essentially collateral within that bank so that they can make um, home improvement loans according to specific criteria. You know, the homeowner would have to be from University Park. They'd have to come in with their home performance with Energy Star report. Um, it, this is not for granite countertops. This is just money for energy efficiency upgrades. Um, but they would essentially be able to loan the money to those individuals at a very attractive interest rate and not have the loan be secured because the loan is essentially being secured by the town putting up a portion of the grant money as collateral. We've been very fortunate in that the local branch manager saw this as essentially a community banking opportunity. So if you go back to our logic model about leveraging community assets and it's all about whom you trust, half the town banks there anyway, and she knows lots of people here, and she likes this town and wants to get more of its business. So she was willing to really 
put her neck out and look for ways to try and make a loan product that works. Because the program is so new, we have not yet had anybody go to the bank for financing, but we know that two people of the, of the 15 that have gotten their retrofits done so far, two of them are entertaining a financing option, both of them with, with the local bank. So uh, in the next couple weeks, we're going to be negotiating with her. In fact, we have a meeting on Friday to kind of finalize how that, that financing would work out. Is it, an error, is it an issue in our community? The answer is uh, it will be, but I don't know to what extent it will be compared to other communities. And that will be something that I think uh, the broader spectrum of better buildings data, uh, it will be interesting to see. Uh, I think in our community, I would probably put transaction barriers above financial barriers, just the comfort of having a contractor in your home. But this is why we're kind of, um, uh, we have some anxiety about the fact that we need to play catch up with the baseline data because we want to understand to what extent is financing a barrier in this community. Uh, we need to figure that out. Yeah. I, just very quickly to add, um, banks have been very reluctant to, uh, particularly the bigger banks, to get involved in creating these new instruments. Uh, I, in, my, in my past career, I, I had a lot of uh, contact with that issue particularly in the poverty field, and uh, I've been delightfully surprised by their willingness to uh, uh, participate. This is a very large bank, uh, and uh, they, it, it's the first time that I've seen uh, them moving in that direction, quite frankly. That concludes the talk uh, by Mayor John Tabori and Chuck Wilson. Uh, we'd like to thank Mayor Tabori and Chuck for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Mayor Tabori and Chuck, do you have any final thoughts for our audience? No, I, I, I guess I'd, I'd just uh, like to thank you all for the opportunity to speak about our program. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, uh, please, uh, uh, we welcome questions. So you can send us emails. Um, um, I, I can't speak for Chuck, but uh, I review my emails every day. So. <laughs> uh, We'd be glad to entertain questions. Yes, thanks very much. And uh, my parting comment would simply be that last conclusion, which is um, it's up to us now to hit those numbers and to see if this model is, is uh, replicable and, and can be proven. So that's the challenge that lays before us in the next two years. Thank you. This talk will be made available through Yale iTunes University. You can also follow us on Twitter for updates about speaker series and new developments in energy efficiency policy, technology, investment, and community engagement at Yale Blueprint. The talk will also be made available on our YouTube channel at Blueprint for Efficiency. If you would like a copy of the presentation, please visit the website of the Yale Center for Business and the Environment. The presentation will be under the Carbon Finance Speaker Series for this particular talk. We will continue to delve into technology, policy, investment, and community engagement options as the weeks progress. On the 6th of, Mar of April, we will hear from the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance, and on the 19th, we will hear from the Connecticut Neighbor-to-Neighbor -neighbor Energy Challenge. Uh, both are recipients of Better Buildings uh, grant money. We look forward to your continued participation. We thank you for joining us for Blueprint for Efficiency, part of the Carbon Finance Speaker Series at Yale. This is Stuart DeCue from, from the Yale Center for Business and Environment, saying so long from New Haven, Connecticut.